Hello, hello, hello. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday indeed. And welcome into episode number 80. Wow, number 80 of the Sports Kiki podcast. My name, as always, is Alex Reamer. I hope you all survived last week. I did not have a show. I was off in Provincetown for Carnival. So hopefully you all survived one week without your favorite podcast. I know it can be tough, but we persevere. That's what we do here in the summer of 2021. But I am pumped to be back this week. Really excited for my guest as well. Christopher Muther is a travel columnist for the Boston Globe. And you may be asking yourself, what is a travel columnist doing on the Sports Kiki? Well, as you know, sometimes we go outside the lines. And Chris wrote a really interesting column in the Globe last week titled, The Summer of Our Gay Discontent. And the premise is how the hot gay summer or hot vac summer has turned into the hot mess summer. We talk about everything from Matt Damon to baby, anti-trans sports bills, going through legislatures, to COVID cases in P-Town, to the overall dystopian feel that this summer seems to have. Uh, But I also push back against Chris a little bit and say, with all that said, with everything that's going wrong in the world, I've still had a pretty good summer. (laughs) I've had some good times. So uh, it's a fun conversation. That's coming up in a few moments. But first, I do want to give us a plug here at OutSports. We covered the Olympics, and we continue our coverage throughout the Paralympics. Uh, All of the brave and uh, out LGBTQ athletes at the Paralympics, uh, they all have such incredible stories, and they're all unique in their own way. And we have three medals for Team LGBTQ as well. Well, over 30 out athletes uh, for Team LGBTQ in the Paralympics, way over the mark that was set in the last Paralympic Games. So check us out. Kate O'Brien, I wrote about her a couple times this week. She's pretty awesome. She's a paracyclist for Team Canada. She competed in Rio 2016, survived a catastrophic bike crash in 2017, in which doctors told her she wouldn't be able to walk, bike, or speak properly again. And she has proven them wrong. She just won silver at the Paralympics on Friday in her Paralympics debut, I might add. So that's one of the one of the many amazing stories that we've been telling all week long and throughout the Paralympics on OutSports. Another story that I wrote on OutSports this week that, uh, well, I wish I didn't have to write, but it's a good reminder. Why do we still exist at OutSports? We have all these out athletes. Carl Nassib came out, a gay NFL player. I mean, what more do you need? Let's shut down shop, right? Well, not so fast. This is a story out of Colorado. A volleyball coach named Inyoke Tonga says he left the Christian high school that he was coaching at because they wouldn't let him be gay. And that is very true. He says the school's administration, after they discovered a Facebook post in which Tonga uh, implied that he sympathizes or perhaps is a part of the LGBTQ community, they sat him down and gave him two choices. Continue to work at the high school, Valora Christian, or identify as gay. And he chose the latter. Be gay or admit that I wasn't gay and I was just having what they call a spiritual battle. He said, uh, as what administration told him, this is from Nine News in Denver, they did say it was a danger to be in front of kids and that to protect the kids, I couldn't be in front of them, which is just disgusting. Of course, I reached out to the athletic director, the head of the school, emails, phone calls, not returned. Um, This is, it's just, 
the Tonga's descriptions of these conversations are downright humiliating. I mean, he says he was literally being told that being an out gay man wasn't an option at the school he worked at. That is just disgraceful to be forced to choose between your paycheck and being yourself. That's something nobody should have to face. And yet it's something that people still face across this country. And Yoke Tonga is just one of them, but that's a story that we highlighted this week on Outsports. But, all right, Christopher Muther, I mentioned, he's a travel columnist for the Boston Globe. He's the author of the piece, The Summer of Our Gay Discontent. That conversation is coming up next here in the Sports Kiki. Thank you, as always, for listening. And welcome back to the Sports Kiki Podcast. As I mentioned in the opening, very excited for my guest this week. I thought he wrote a great piece in the Boston Globe, uh, the summer of our days of our gay discontent. Welcome in Christopher Muther, who's a travel writer and columnist for the Globe as well. Uh, Chris, how are you? Thanks for joining us today. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well, as we were saying earlier. Happy it's Friday. Most certainly happy about that. So um, I was appropriately, I think, reading your piece, The Summer of Our Gay Discontent, while I was in Provincetown last week for Carnival Week. And, you know, you explain why the promise of a hot gay summer has turned into a hot mess summer. We've had COVID cases exploding, mask mandates going back in, Boston Pride blowing itself up, uh, Matt Damon admitting to saying gay slurs and to baby, I mean, doing far worse. But I'm wondering, what was the tipping point for you that made you say, okay, like, this is a summer of discontent, and now I'm going to write this column? You know, it was, the the frosting on the cake was Matt Damon and DeBaby. That was Hmm. kind of like, once you have the celebrity aspect, you can pull people in. So it was really like my trick to get people, I mean, it wasn't a trick, but it was my... um, device to get people to start reading about all of the insidious laws that have been passed on the state level across the country. Uh, So, you know, when you start, oh, oh yeah, I've heard of Matt Damon, I heard about the baby, I know about all the breakthrough cases, and all of those things, yes, they're like what you would find in the bottom of your cat's litter box, for sure. (laughs) But, you, you know, the things that are happening with a lot of anti-trans bills, um, you know, specifically the ridiculous um, sports bills where, you know, it's not fair if my child has to compete against, you know, a a trans uh, teen or woman athlete. Um, And then the locker room garbage. And there's still one of those bathroom bills kicking around. So, you know, and the sports part of it, is really kind of what what um, gra- ground my gears, I guess is the best way I want to say it. But yeah, I mean, it's been, as you know, it's just been kind of a lousy summer all along, especially <laughs> given that it looked so, so promising yeah. at the very start. Yeah, and obviously at Outsports here, we, we cover trans athletes, these anti-trans bills all the time. And I mean, the simple fact of the matter is, it's just scapegoating. I mean, it's politicians in states that are poorly run, and they are scapegoating the few out-trans kids that even play sports in their states. It's that simple. It's disgraceful. Right. And it's also, you know, for those politicians, it's low-hanging fruit. Oh, of course. Here's something we can all, all of us, um, conservative types can get behind, you know, because we all think this is bad and this isn't what God intended. And so therefore, you know, it's an easy way to kind of 
rally their troops. Oh, most certainly. And, I mean, DeBaby is just totally despicable. But, you know, Lil Nas X, I think, is a very positive counterbalance to that. Obviously, I think he's exposed a lot of the homophobia that still exists in some areas of, of rap in the rap community. But, I mean, all things considered, the fact that someone like Lil Nas X can be as mainstream and as out and flamboyant as he is, I mean, that is a positive to take away, right? That's actually, that's very true. Um and the other thing which was kind of heartening to see was other people in the hip-hop community come out and say, this does not represent us. Right. And the, the fact that then he was, you know, I don't want to say punished, but punished by being dropped by a bunch of festivals, a bunch of concert venues, um, restored some of my faith in right. humankind. A little bit, but, you know, not, not a ton. But, yeah, it was, I mean, it was also just baffling the things that he said crazy it's like where where did this come from you know was uh, it just made absolutely no sense if it were 1985 it would still be hateful but it would make more sense but it's yeah 2021 and that's unfortunate as well but still you know what i'm saying it's just where did this come from yeah the aid stuff was very jarring and i, I don't really get jarred when i read a lot of things but i'm like this is really just disgusting and, and nasty um, I am wondering, though, what bothered you so much about Matt Damon and uh, his admission that he was saying the F word, then his daughter said not to, and then he said he never had. I mean, I get it. He's obviously, you know, I have <laughs> much use for what he said. But what about it particularly bothered you? You know, here's here's Matt Damon, who um, is he seems like a smart guy. He's always been, you know, Ben is kind of the the flaky one. You might have expected it from Ben, maybe, but not really. But here's Matt, who, you know, has been on all of these. He's done so much great work. And, you know, I think within the story, I kind of stretched the the phrase gay for pay because, (laughs) you know, he was in um, Talented Mr. Ripley. He played Liberace's lover in Behind the Candelabra. So, Mm, you know, here's someone who you'd think would be kind of in touch with the gay community in a way that maybe the baby wouldn't. Right. Um, <laughs> but you never know. Uh, so the thing about Matt, though, is that what was more, for me, nearly as infuriating as what he was saying initially about, you know, his daughter called him out on it and wrote something was that his quote apology was that you know he grew up in boston this is what we said blah 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 and it's like you know in real life matt your your name isn't will and you didn't grow up in southie (laughs) and you know you weren't around that stuff you grew up in cambridge and you were in drama club and you know it's a very as you and i know it's a very different experience growing up let's say in south boston or east boston than it would be in cambridge so yeah. you know the fact that he was sort of a boys will be boys in boston situation made me just roll my eyes because you know yeah. i'm pretty much the same age as matt damon when i heard the word didn't matter how old I was, I knew if I didn't know exactly what it was, I knew it was bad and I knew not to repeat it. And, you know, Matt Damon's a lot smarter than I am. So clearly he should know this. And so that was why I think 
coming from him, it was a little more upsetting. Again, it it was still upsetting coming from the baby, but yes. coming, you know, coming from Matt, it was like, oh wait, you know, you're you're kind of my guy, and hmm. and what are you doing to me here? You're killing me. Yeah, I mean, the F word thing is definitely, I mean, I always knew what that meant. I never said it. And his whole, that he was saying it until very recently, until, I mean, it was, that, that I will say was definitely made me uh, roll my eyes, certainly. But, you know, we, we talk about this a lot in outsports too, right? Like casual homophobia is so prevalent in locker rooms. I grew up in Natick, Mass, a nice suburban town, but it was prevalent at my lunch table. It was prevalent, you know, outside at recess. And one thing that we do find at outsports is, you know, someone like a Matt Damon, let's say, who maybe grew up saying casual homophobia, you know, didn't necessarily do it because they hated gay people. They just, their minds weren't expanded. Maybe his was because he went to Cambridge Original Latin. But, you know, like, do you think that people can, like, evolve over time and look back and say, yeah, like, I was an ignorant kid, young person, didn't know what that means, and now I'm trying to get better? Oh, I, I mean, I totally think so. I mean, as you know, there have been a couple of organizations um, devoted to kind of taking that, ed- educating. I don't even say right. taking those those words out of sport, but educating people about don't say like that's so gay, right. even if they don't mean it in that way. They mean it still in a derogatory term, and I feel like they've done a pretty good job of that. Um, you know, I wrote something on it probably a decade ago. Uh, and I feel like I'm sure it's not completely better, but I think it's definitely better than it used to be. And, you know, just from my personal experience, I have a trainer um, who I've been seeing for a decade or so. And trans athletes became a regular topic of discussion between the two of us. And after a few months, he now kind of agrees with me that, you know, it, that's if someone feels that is um, the gender that they were born into, even though that's not the gender they were born into, they should absolutely have the right to compete in that sport. And the fact that he told me that, you know, that I had actually changed his mind sort of blew my mind because one, I didn't think he ever listened to me. (laughs) Two, the fact that I, you know, it, clearly someone and i won't call him i'll call him a meathead in a very affectionate way i, I, you know, I hear like you a bro yeah right he's your um, bro yeah he's totally my bro and um <laughs> he just needed like someone to talk to him about this in a way that wasn't um a, a confrontation wasn't me calling him stupid um and you know therefore it it changed so to go back to your question I do feel like it's something that, you know, you can educate people about. But I'm sure you've come across this, too. I mean, have you come across the situation personally where you've talked? I mean, I'm sure you have. You've talked to somebody. You've explained that you write for Outsports, and they're like, gays don't play sports. And oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, certainly. You know, or, 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 or they think that we out athletes. <laughs> so, oh, right, right. Wait, you mean you don't do that? I we don't. don't. They, they out themselves. They can write essays if they would like. And I'm like, hey, I mean, that'd be great. I mean, you know, if I, the really dirty side of me is like, yeah, let's do that. But no, no. Um, but the funny thing that's, is though, Chris, as well, is there also is, though, and I'm a sports guy, not as big of a sports fan as I was when I was younger, 
but, you know, there's also, like, an anti-sports bias, like, in the gay community where if you say, like, you know, oh, I'm a sports writer, I watch sports, you, a lot of people are like, oh, like, you're not even gay. Like, well, you probably wear, what, like, baggy jeans or, you know, board shorts. I mean, so there, it's funny how it kind of works both ways a little bit. That's actually totally true. Um, there is, I, you know, it, it's, I feel like it's a little lack of understanding. You know, within the gay community, I feel like people kind of, um, they, they compartmentalize. You know, if someone's a gay man, this is how they act. If somebody's a lesbian, this is how they act, that kind of thing. And as we all know, that's not necessarily the truth. And so I, I totally feel for you and having to overcome (laughs) what what would the term be (laughs) uh adversity just in general adversity chris uh i would i would say right (laughs) um with all this said though i do have one small quibble with a line in your column it's a good line i chuckled but i am gonna ask you about it unless you're tom daly knitting dog sweaters at the tokyo olympics which was great uh your gay summer has probably been as much fun as a bake sale at the Westboro Baptist Church. I mean, I know it's a summer discontent, Chris, but come on. Has their summer really been that bad? Westboro Baptist (laughs) Church bake sale bad? (laughs) Well, you can only imagine how horrible the food is there because they don't have any gays who can bake. They don't. Stereotype. Look what I just did. Um, Yeah, you know, it's... um, the, The one thing which I should have included, as you know, is there was a record number of out gay athletes yes, um, that competed at the Tokyo Olympics. So there was that side of it, for sure. That's, that's a plus. But for a lot of people, I feel like those of us who have been super careful, and you know, as you mentioned, I'm a travel writer. I have traveled, but I'm the kind of person who wears an N95, hmm. a face shield, and walks around with a can of Lysol if anyone gets too close. Was that so. before the pandemic or is it adopted <laughs> d- during it? Who told you? All right? I, Who told you? I, I, I can that? get that vibe. But I feel like, you know, the bottom line about the summer is it really should have been. I remember those first few trips yeah. back in, let's say June, to the supermarket where it's like, oh my God, I don't need to wear a mask anymore. This is kind of crazy. Right. To, you know, where we are now. And, and as many people have pointed out to me in emails that I sent to receive, that this obviously isn't limited to uh, the LGBTQ com- uh, community. It's, sort of everyone's having their hot mess summer right? Um, in a way that nobody wanted. I feel like on top of that, we've gotten sort of a, a little bit of a slap more than, let's say, uh, hetero America has gotten. Yes, because we like to go out and have would, fun. Yeah, I mean, I would still put it in a Westboro Baptist Church Oof. bake sale Oof. category somewhere in there. Oof. Um, I'm curious, have you been to P-Town this summer? Oh my gosh, it took me a minute to think, and I haven't been this summer, and not because I've been afraid, but because I've been traveling again, so I've been to Greece, and Iceland, and Quebec, and a whole bunch of places. Love Iceland. Tell me about your experience during Carnival. What was it like? Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask, like, what what you thought it was. So I was there for the fourth, and I did get sick, but I tested negative 
for COVID. I think my moment of realizing this is the hot mess summer is when I had to take two COVID tests in two consecutive weeks in like July. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm vaccinated. I thought I would never have to do this again. Um, right. But, um, <laughs> it, it, you know, I've had great times. I always do in P-Town, lots of fun. But... It is kind of, I don't think it's just specific to Provincetown, but kind of a dystopian, like, end-of-the-world vibe, you know, where there's, like, this ever-present disease and, you know, we, we see smoke from the West Coast. I mean, I was there for the 4th. The weather was awful. It was like, it was like, it was like Halloween, spooky bear, 50 degrees and raining. Um, it's just, it was fun, but also it, like, I don't know, the, the P-Town scaries when you leave, a little worse this year, I think, than, than previous years, I'll just say. Kind of just a weird vibe yeah, all around. I mean- I just feel like, you know, my friends who overpost on social media, it looks like, you know, the usual kind of, yes. uh, you know, crazy behavior. But Revelers. as we all know, we we sort of curate our social media to yes. you know, make it look like we're always having a great time and not a hot mess summer. So, <laughs> so it's interesting for me to hear that it felt dystopian because a I think bit. it would feel that way for me. Yeah, a little bit, I mean, but yes, A House for the 4th was packed as always, and of course we know, you know, what happened after, but you know, I do think that one thing that, (laughs) but one thing that did annoy me about that coverage is, is you really got to focus on the hospitalizations, right? I mean, there were all those cases, but so few hospitalizations, Um, and also it was like a powder keg. You couldn't find a, a, a better environment for COVID to spread than the 4th of July in Provincetown, you know? The fact that the C, like, yeah. I'm like the fact the CDC based like uh, a new guidelines on that tells me that no one at the CDC has been at a house uh, on Fourth of July weekend and then gone to an after hours <laughs> afterwards. Or you know, it's like well, you also you also have to throw into that has never been to P Town Fourth of July weekend after a year of being coped, you know, like cooped up. Oh, and certainly, it was crazy. It, I would say, yeah, yeah, and. But, yeah, as you pointed out, hospitalizations and it, you know, served as a test case that these vaccinations do work. So maybe, again, I shouldn't be so down on the summer and maybe there were some good points of it. But actually, you know what? It was a terrible summer. So I'm going (laughs) to stick with that. (laughs) We'll stick with that. Um, And the last thing I did want to ask you, Chris, more generally, I mean, you're doing some traveling now. I see, you know, you're on cruise ships and everything. So that's, you're really going out there with your N95 and all. Um, but um, what's it been like being a travel columnist during a pandemic where, like, for all of last year, traveling was discouraged? You know, it's funny because you would think that I'd be sitting home brushing my cats and catching up on my stories. Yeah. And that was not the case at all. It was super busy because... Last summer, as you recall, case numbers went down slightly, especially in the Northeast. So I did a lot of road trips in the Northeast. And then when they were cases were back up again, I was writing about kind of industry things. And when will we be able to travel again? What will future travel look like? So strangely, it was busy for me, you know, and I was fortunate in that, you know, a lot of people with similar beats who write about travel, who depend upon destination travel as their bread and butter, weren't able to do that. But because I feel like I write about so many things within that, I also, you know, early days thought, oh, I'm going to write about giving a home haircut because isn't that novel? Aren't we all doing that? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Baking sourdough? (laughs) 
Yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, between you and me and your listeners, yes. I never had success with sourdough. So that's that's my gay <laughs> failure of the pandemic. <laughs> I never even tried. So that's mine. <laughs> um, smart man. Very smart. <laughs> Christopher Muther. He's a travel writer and columnist for the Boston Globe. Check out his uh, piece, The Summer of Our Gay Discontent, and all of his great work. Chris, thanks for coming on. This was fun. Oh, my God. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. All right, so thank you as always for tuning into the Sports Kiki podcast. And again, a big thanks go out to Christopher Muther for taking the time and coming on the show. I say it every week, but we're back. Labor Day is next week, then we're hitting the fall hard. If you have any show ideas, guest ideas, please feel free to reach out to me at AlexDreamer1 is my Twitter handle. That again is at AlexDreamer1. Against my better judgment, DMs are open. So long, everybody. Talk to you next Saturday as we celebrate Labor Day.